0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbe Ministries International. To find out more, visit org.
1: Well, welcome everyone once again to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam and I'm your host. And again, one of our favorite things to do on this podcast is to talk to interesting people from various walks of life uh, in different um areas of leadership. And uh, today on the podcast, we've got a really special guest, Rob Blackaby, Dr. Rob Blackaby, who is Richard's cousin and is currently the president and professor of ethics at the Canadian Baptist Theological Seminary in Cochrane, Alberta, Canada. Obviously, Rob and and Richard go way back, and so it's a really fun conversation just to drop in on, listen to uh, uh, what Rob has to say. He got his Ph.D. from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's been the pastor of a church. He's been the head of a, a denominational convention. And this is a really fun conversation just to drop in on two people who have known each other for a very long time and uh, just listen to, to to the wisdom that they have to share and the different aspects of leadership uh, that they they both bring to the table. And uh, I think you'll get uh, a lot of encouragement from this conversation with Rob Blackaby. And with that, I'll turn it over to Richard.
0: Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, this week's podcast. And again, I have my very special uh, favorite uh, type of podcast uh, today with uh, a special guest. And this is not just any special guest. This is one of my very favorite people on the face of the planet. And that is my cousin, Rob Blackaby. So welcome, Rob. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. And Rob, uh, for those of you that may not know him, uh, when I left being the president of the seminary in Canada in um, 1990, no, when was that? 2006. 2000. Yes, yeah, I got there in 93. Um, Rob ultimately took my place and he is still there and he surpassed my tenure. I think served now for 15 years yep. uh, and counting. And uh, Rob's father is was the younger brother of my father. And so... Um, and so we have a lot of, uh, in common. We I, I say Rob is more of a brother than a cousin to me. Uh, and so Rob has a Ph.D. in ethics and uh, is a just a, a wealth of thought and information on that. And so I thought that today uh, we would have Rob take us through a bit of a discussion on ethics. But first, I need to ask uh, two things. One is just tell us a little bit about your journey, Rob. Um how did you end up uh, from growing up in Vancouver, Canada, to be sitting in the Blackaby Studios podcast booth today, so many years later? In a nutshell. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, uh, well, I spent the first 23 years of my life in a, a great home. I had the privilege of being raised in a great home with my dad, Will, Mom, Marg, and uh, raised in a great church family. Hmm. twenty three years old moved to Texas where I went to graduate school and then in nineteen ninety five my wife and I moved to Calgary to pastor a church uh that had existed for a while it had it had a few members and uh stayed there for thirteen years and then Ended up at the seminary in t- two thousand seven. You've just about got that mess
0: you inherited cleaned up now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Now, Rob, his dad, Will, uh, passed away early last year. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, he was to me the epitome of an uncle. He was always laughing, always had a joke, always had a grin on his face always had some memorable teachable comment uh that he would dispense and so i told rob uh, beforehand that we, we've got to have just a, a couple of uncle will stories because um I, I just know a lot about rob and his siblings and they they were deeply deeply impacted by their dad and uh you know rob you have a great heritage you have so faithfully served the lord your kids are walking with the lord but I think you would be like me and you would trace back so much of that to your dad, and your yeah. mom too, but, yeah. but I know your dad was just a very impactful kind of person, like my dad was. My dad was a pastor, your dad was a counselor in, uh, in public school system, which was incredible. In a very secular public school system, he regularly brought a Christian influence. And so, tell us, do you have a story too? Just like, how did how did he speak into your life uh, to you know, we're going to talk about character ethics in this uh, episode. But so much of what formed you, I think, came from the impact your dad had on you. Yeah, I think
2: you say he's he epitomizes uncle for me. He epitomizes dad. You yeah, know, and I think um, there was this incredible consistency in his life. Hmm. i I try to remember, you know, did dad ever sit me down and say, you know, in a two hour period, Rob, this is what you must believe. Hmm. And I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm sure across my lifespan, he spoke into my life multiple times. Hmm. I remember some of those, but, but most of it was maybe, maybe the vast majority of it was walks, car rides where he would just be speaking life and you, and, and you just watched it, it mirrored actually how he lived. Hmm. And... I've wondered, you know, I was a deacon's kid. You were a pastor's kid. I was a deacon's kid. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of deacon's kids who don't want anything to do with the church. They don't want anything to do with the Lord. What what is it about my dad's and my mom's life that me and my siblings we want to to really lean heavy into the things of the Lord? Yeah. We think the church is the best group of people
0: to be around. What what because you yeah. were dragged to church a lot oh, growing a lot. up, yeah. and you would could easily have resented that. Yeah, you know, your 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 dad was like mine. Probably went overboard at times in yeah. service at the church, yeah. and and so you could easily said, "Hey, I mean, you know, he cared more about the church than us, or whatever." But yeah. like you didn't think that way.
2: No, I think he, you know, he involved us in ministry with him. Mom and dad would. Not always, but often we would be with them whatever ministry they were engaged with. Obviously not committee meetings. Mm. By God's yeah.
0: grace. It could have been worse. You know,
2: for what? Over three decades, they led youth ministry for almost the same amount of time, maybe a little bit more. And my dad led a boy's ministry. And mm. so if, if, they were, if they were doing a youth event, we would be there with them. Even though we were too young to be youth, we would just watch it.
0: Mm. I mm. think
2: since my dad's death, I've been thinking about him And what was, what was some of those ingredients that, you know, at his death, people were paying tribute to him. And I think one of those was, you know, dad had really strong opinions. (laughs) Uh, He could be inflexible, Hmm. but there was something about him that that he just projected um, a safe place. He Hmm. projected, uh, if you don't have anywhere else that you belong, you, you can belong with Will Blackaby. Hmm. So Hmm. they had people in their home sharing, you know, intimate parts of their life and dad just journeyed with them. Hmm. And so, um, again, I keep, and, and, and what I realize more and more as I get older is how much of my life dad just sprinkled scripture, Hmm. especially Proverbs, but not just Proverbs, you Hmm. know? And so if I had, um, If I had uh, an issue that I was trying to work through, uh, he he just breathed down. It was like he stored God's word in his heart, Mm. and at the right time, God just brought it out of that that treasure chest for his son. You know, Mm. like he would just share a proverb or a verse, Mm. Mm. which tells me again, like he he didn't just it wasn't just a Sunday or a a momentary thing. It was his life. His Bible was always open on his nightstand. Mm. You know, like I could go on and on on his way to work. I'll tell you one more thing. Uh, you know, he'd get home from work and often around the dinner table, he would tell a story from the day and then he, before he'd tell us what he did, he'd say, well, guys, what would you do? Hmm. And then you know, we give our ideas and he'd say, oh, that's, that's really good. Do you want to know what I did? And we'd say, yeah, like, please, you know, give us the answer, invite us in. Because hmm. here he is in the middle of a very secular context um, and he's finding ways on, on the way to work every day, his prayer was... You know, God. Who do you want me? What one person do you want me to interact with today? Hmm. And he would be he'd spend the day. He he'd just expect that God was going to raise that person to his awareness and that he would speak into their life. Um. Anyway, so those kind of things I think demonstrated to all of us that it wasn't just um, for Dad a religion. It was. It was a philosophy yeah. of life. It was the way he oriented himself.
0: And he and he felt and he said uh, many times, you know, he'd say, "Now my brother Henry was called to be a pastor. Yeah, I right. was called to be yeah. a teacher, a counselor." And he felt just his call. Yeah. And so many things he did. Uh, you know, I remember him just saying, "If there was maybe a troubled kid in school, yeah. he and and he's going to have to, you know, he's being consigned to go spend some time with the counselor." He would say to the kid, "Hey, what class would you really like to cut today? I'll I'll schedule yeah. to meet with you then." Right. And I'll and he just became the, a friend and a confidant. And whether you agreed with everything he said or not, you knew that this guy was a good guy that had your best interests yeah. at heart. And so many people just opened up to him, yeah. and uh, he found a way. And so he saw people, like hmm. that. That would be a big thing about dad is he really.
2: You know, as far as I know in the Bible, the first name that a human gives to God is the God who sees. Hmm. God values us knowing that He sees us. Yeah. And Dad modeled that. He saw people. And Hmm. again, I think that that gave people a sense that you know, he. If I don't have anywhere else in this world that I belong, I can belong with Will Blackaby. I can be part of of his
0: his team, his family. Hmm. And so, he collected a lot of us. You know it's uh, one last uh, just thing to the story about him. When I was the president of the seminary, uh, we tried every year to have a little focus on for, to help parents. you know, if you were a seminary student and we'd bring in some parenting a, a conference and uh, I think for two years we brought in will and I remember the first time will came in um, and he's just sharing all this this wealth of of stuff that he's helped folks with for decades and uh but he was funny and he was he was kind of like everybody's uncle you yeah, know and yeah. and at a certain point i think we'd had this great great session and we're we're stopping for a break and some se- uh, seminary wife got tears in her eyes she came over and said i need an uncle will yeah <laughs> and i thought he was yeah. sort of like everybody's uncle kind of thing but
2: that I, I, I will if you'll indulge me that that is one of the earliest uh things that i i observed in my dad hmm. I would say as a preteen that I thought, I don't know how he does it, but I really, I, I wish I could be like that. And that is, you know, whenever he came in a room, you'd see smiles and laughter as he was walking, literally as like a wave as he's walking through the room. And as he goes out the other side, that room is a warmer place. It's mm. a happier place. Mm. Somehow he just, and, and I I would imagine if you were to say, well, what are you like, what, Do you get up in the morning and just kind of come up with these things? (laughs) I think he it was it was no effort. It was Mm. just
0: the spirit of God working through him to bring encouragement into people's lives. Mm. Yeah, and I, you know, I I, maybe the last thing to say with that, I I know I speak for you and for me. We highly respect our fathers, but we also we're very familiar with their flaws, their feet of clay, and. And, and I think it's always important just to point out that you can be that kind of person that lights up a room and still be human. You know, you don't have to yeah. be superhuman to do that. It's yeah. These are ordinary people with feet of clay that just were sold out for God to use them. And they, they didn't always get things right, but they got it right enough that yeah. people uh, really came to appreciate them. And so had to just get a bit of Uncle Will in there just because yeah, every time I'm around you, we... We at some point reminisce a little bit about our dads, and uh, but uh, but but Rob, you, I think it, it's certainly obvious uh, that ethics has become a you know a hot button in some ways, uh, especially when you see leaders falling in spectacular fashion and scandals being exposed. It seems every week. We know that ethics are important, and yet, you know, I think for most people, ethics are one of those things that we just sort of assume. Are just there. It's like I just believe this, or but, but I think the average person. I'm just going to go out on a limb, and say the average person probably has never just sat down and systematically thought through what is my ethic, what Mm. what you know, what is it I believe and how I should live my life, how I should treat others, and so I want you just to kind of help us a bit, and just we'll just kind of move into this subject but but there's a there's a difference between theology and and ethics, isn't there? How, how would you hmm. distinguish theology and ethics I would think uh,
2: let me reach back to my dad and bring this segue sure. forward. Uh, so because, <laughs> because it, it's important to me because uh, I remember when I was starting to sense I needed to do some more advanced study what what area was I going to study in? and talking over with my dad and I thought I I was really growing or developing a passion for ethics and and my dad was so affirming and said, Rob, I think that ethics is going to be something that the church really needs to look at in the future because the issues that are coming at us are, are the pace at which they're coming at us. And he again, he was inside of a very secular... Mm. public school system. he's going the pace at which issues are coming up to in the church. We need somebody to help navigate us through that. Mm. So another area of gratitude to my father. Um, I, th- I think ethics is the natural expression of theology. Mm. I think they they have to one needs to flow into the other. So mm. theology, if it's left on its own, is incomplete. Because historically, ethics has been called practical theology or practical Mm. philosophy, but often practical theology. So if this is what I believe to be true, if this is what the Bible um, exposes reality to be like, then how should that affect what I live Mm. or how I live, right? So what ought I or ought I not to do? What's Mm. right or wrong,
0: good or evil? Mm. That's ethics. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, well, I, my theology tells me that all people are created in the image of God, right? but then, then, then I have to take that to an ethic to say, so can I discriminate against people? Can I tear people down? And I, I, and I've said this often, I I minored in theology in seminary. I I really found it fascinating. But when I got to the church, it was ethics that just about ate my lunch in terms of like, issues coming up in the church with people and coming to me saying, is this right? Or should I, can, does the Bible allow me to do this? And, right. and it was not the theological questions that, you know, ethics, it just seems like can be so gray sometimes. It's yeah. like, well, this verse says this, and that verse says that. And so can I, you know, d- do this in my marriage or can I do this with at my workplace? And, uh, but, but there's, you, you said something interesting uh, the other day too, you, you sort of distinguish between ethics and morals. Right. And how yeah. would you, to me, that would seem like the same thing. But how, how do you distinguish those? Yeah, and, and
2: it can be used the same way. But if you're going to make a distinction, and I prefer to make a distinction, I think ethics is my system of what I believe is I ought or ought not to do. It's, it's, it's like I say, it's the belief system that fl- that's flowing out of my theology. This mm-hmm. is how I ought to live. But morals is how I'm actually living,
0: hmm.
2: right? So m- my morality is a description of the way that Rob actually goes about living his life. And my problem is when my morality, my actual expression of of what I believe and my ethics, when they're inconsistent, we have a real problem as far as the integrity that we have when we speak to a the world that's all around us, the culture that we're embedded in. Hmm. And I think that's, it's not a new crisis. It's, I think it's, it can be a crisis in the church when our morality and what we profess to be our ethics don't match up. Hmm. The other thing I'd say is we're all moral. Like there's no such thing as an amoral person. We're all moral people. The question is, what is the basis of my morality? And hmm. for Christians, it ought to be a theology that's rooted in scripture and clearly articulated in an ethical system. Like this is what we will or will not do. So to go, to go to your point, you know, discriminate. Well, should we discriminate? Well, I think biblically, yes, we actually do discriminate. We do say this is right and this is wrong, but does that affect how I behave toward people? Again, I. it can be tough. Yeah. I, yeah. Christian life. I, I was, I don't know why somewhere along the way as a young man, I thought, you know, Christian life ought to be easy, hmm. but you know, reading the, Luther said, you know, try to get your head around I'm grossly paraphrasing, trying to get your head around the the book of Romans. Like he he said he beat importunately against Paul, you know, like it's yeah. it's hard work. Yeah. And well, and I think and it's it interesting
0: with Luther, you know, he he didn't even think the book of James should be in the in the Bible. And yet a lot of James was kind of ethics. It was all mm. about, okay, mm. well, how do you treat the poor and the you know, and, and that kind of thing. And Luther just, he had this sort of pristine theology of salvation by grace through faith. And, uh, and so it looked like there was too much works and, but yet James was really trying to get an ethic to say, well, if you, if, if we're all created in the image of God, why do you fawn over this wealthy visitor to your church and you are rude to the poor visitor to your church? And, uh, and so I, you know, I find that, uh, that for a lot of us, we, I, I just see a lot of um, homespun kind of ethics that uh, we, we've never really tried to be consistent with. So, right. you know, you see this today, like uh, you might say, well, I just think that it's wrong to discriminate against the poor. The poor should be given opportunities and equal opportunities mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, sometimes people want them to have equal outcomes and, um, and they'll say, because I just think it's j- just justice, but and I believe in justice. But then, but then the next breath they'll say, so I think we need to take you know money from the rich and give it to the poor, right. uh, to you know, to so for justice' sake. And you say, but is that just to the rich? I mean, right. they earn that money, they own that property, and you're just taking it from them. You're taxing it or whatever. Is that justice? Well, it's justice because. Right, the poor deserve it. It's like, well, so you're really your form of justice gives justice to the poor, not the rich. Hmm. Uh, and so, is that a consistent ethic across the board, or is it right. more of an arbitrary justice? Like, I think you should care about the poor, but does that mean can you develop an ethic that is just for everyone, yeah. not just certain segments? And uh, so, you know, there's there's just a number of issues like that. If you so, if you were going to say to someone. Take a take a look at your ethic, and you, you, it may be pretty haphazard as well. You might really feel strongly about this, but then over here you're quite careless and not consistent at all. I, I think as Christians have the opportunity. I think I mean it's not easy. Yeah. But I think they have the at least the challenge to be consistent across the board. So you treat everybody as created in the image of God and everybody deserving of justice and so on. So, how would you, if someone were saying, "Yeah, I need to really think through that. I need to, you yeah. know, I need to kind of put down on paper what is it I value uh, and I think is important for me to follow in my own conduct." How would, where, how would you do that? How would yeah. you put that
2: together? So, here, here are some of the uh, the choke points that I think we have. First of all, is if we're issue driven, uh, we could get ourselves in trouble pretty quick because. Um, because just your example of justice, right? So I'm using contemporary categories. So I'm, I'm speaking, I am, you are, from versions of a capitalistic, I mean, I'm, I'm in Canada, you're in the United States, uh, but we're, we're talking about versions of a capitalistic society. And, mm-hmm. and so then how do you take, my temptation is to say, oh, here's a great verse. Well, but does that, is that what that verse actually teaches? Is that what that passage actually teaches? So I think that's where the hard work comes in. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I have a Christian ethics. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm living Christian morality. Uh, Just because I go to church and because my pastor tells me to do something doesn't mean that it's biblically informed. So the hard work for me is, okay, what what is going on behind the issues, those root virtues, those root vices? Um, What does the Bible have to say about justice? What, well, and, and then before we get to justice, what does the Bible have to say about love? Yeah. Like what's the biblical definition of love? Yeah. Because love's still a very popular word, but we don't use it even in Christian circles like the Bible, I think would define it. Love is a choice towards another person. It's whether you deserve it or not, I act toward you and that's love.
0: Yeah. It's not a, a romantic feeling. Hmm. And, uh, and again, it can become very arbitrary. I, I want to. Yeah. I'm really focused on loving this kind of person, right. but then I'm being unloving over here. And right. Th- and and love isn't sentimental. And I and I fear
2: that that we can we can live our lives today in a way that we just wait for this sentimental feeling to be stirred. Hmm. And now now I'm that's love. Well, no, it's not actually sentimental. Yeah. It can be. Like there, I mean, I know that it, there's a, there's expressions, but but at its core, love is a commitment. Yeah. It's a commitment to another, whether you deserve it or not. I'm going to behave this way. Think, well, what does that look like? That's the question. Yeah. God gives us the answer in how he behaves toward us in scripture. It's all from the front to the back of the scriptures. We're given what love looks like in action. Mm-hmm. And so we say, well, what, what do you do with the law? Mm-hmm law is a great description of what God's love looks like in action.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 ethics will describe things that you don't do. You know, yeah, we we right. see it negative, but yeah. you, it's hard to have ethics and then just be able to do anything you want. It's and yeah. you know I, I think you and I both are. Our, our parents modeled for us, there's just certain things they just it wouldn't cross their mind to do, because that was just not their right. ethics to do that, and right. they had settled that a long time ago. Right. Well, maybe one other question here, just, uh, well, I'll just kind of get the, I'll just stir the pot just a stir little bit here pot. for a moment, but uh, but what when you look, I mean, ethical issues change over time. Like, I remember, like, when I was in seminary, uh, divorce was a big issue. Like, can you have been divorced and be a pastor? Uh, mm-hmm. And that kind of thing, or will God still? Have you disqualified yourself from serving the the Lord in a you know official capacity? And there, there are issues like that that you know can if you're divorced, uh, can you remarry and all that kind of thing? And there were some heated discussions among seminary students during that time, but a lot has a lot of water has flowed under the bridge yeah. since then. And so when you when you look at folks today trying to develop uh, an ethic, and, and you and I both have uh young adult children that um you know we were trying to help encourage as they enter this world and they're now now my kids are all raising kids of their own and you look at the at the the morals, the the culture in which we're in They're they're raising their kids, and you say, Now how are you gonna how are you gonna raise your kids in a way that when the world just bombards them with its values and ethical perspectives that they they've got their own biblical ethics so firmly entrenched that they're not just blown away. Right. And so like what what are some of the issues right now that you just see kind of front and center that as Christians we're going to have to really process biblically uh in the days to come. Um okay, so
2: I'm going to answer that question, <laughs> but first I want to say that um I really believe when you're saying, okay, I need to have a system of ethics. The, these A the system of ethics is going to inform my morality. It's going to inform how I'm living my life. And so I need to know in advance, This is these are the decisions I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I've got it. And I think sometimes we we struggle because we, we put it all in the same, like this is the decision and these are the implications. These are the changes that I'm going to have to make. Let's separate that out. Okay, so this is what I ought and ought not to do. So now the situation comes to me and I think, Okay, my decision's already been made. I'm yeah. not going to do that. Okay, so now I've got okay, so then what are the implications for that? What what how am I gonna how what what does it look like now as I live this out? And that's where I think you have to say, Okay, so I'm not I can't relax the ought or the ought not in my life. But I I certainly need to see people. I certainly need to be compassionate to people. Hmm. So what is one of the issues? I got to be honest with you. I think um, (laughs) going forward for the evangelical community right now, um, I'm tempted to get into social issues. I think, what does it look like to be the people of Christ right now who live with compassion, clarity? Who who we're not defensive, we're not threatened. So so that is to me one of the issues right now is that we're mm. tempted to to adopt uh, postures that are belligerent, uh, that are mean or mean spirited or yeah. angry. And I and I I'm, I'm familiar with because I'm told. Well, you know there is a biblical anger. Agreed, there is a biblical anger. But it's towards unrighteousness, it's ungodliness, it's towards the abuse of the marginalized. It's, that biblical anger, as far as I see it expressed in Christ, is not because Jesus' rights were offended. He laid down his rights. Mm-hmm. That, is, to, that may not seem like an ethical issue, but to me personally, it is because as we weigh into some of these very specific targeted issues that are going to continue to uh, grow more complex, who we are as God's people is going to be paramount. Hmm. How we conduct ourselves in our culture is going to be paramount. Hmm. Are we actually giving evidence of the fruits of the kingdom of darkness in Galatians five, or are we are
0: we exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit? Hmm. Well, and uh, you know, I think ethics. A lot of the why you have ethics is because you don't want to hurt people. I mean, you don't want to take advantage, exploit them. Uh, and and because you care about people, you want to right. conduct yourself with other people in a way that with high ethics, high high standards. And uh, and yet, oftentimes, ethics can become a club where you just right. condemn everyone right. that doesn't practice what you do. Right. And uh, and so it's it's almost ironic that you're getting. You, you, it becomes a club when it should have been a, a way for you to practice love toward yeah. people. And, and I think there there's certain virtue in in having clarity, like.
2: To me, the, the biblical word of understand, if, if you go through the Bible and highlight every time that word understand is used in the Old and the New Testament, it's all over the place. Hmm. So theology is, is it's, it's important that we understand who God reveals himself to be accurately and we don't misrepresent him and it's why we do a lot of heavy work in the scripture. It's like cuz I want to I don't want to get in a pulpit and tell people this is who God is if God says you know I'm just reading through Jeremiah right now hmm. and one of the one of the condemnations against those prophets is I never told you that. I never said that's what I was going to do. Yeah. And so destruction's coming on the people because you misrepresented me. Wow. And and so it's right it's important that we understand who God reveals himself to be in his word. It's important that we understand what that means for how I, what I believe we ought or ought not to do. It's important that I understand how I ought to live out my life. But all of that should be cloaked in grace and biblical love and mercy and compassion. I mean, that's one of God's self-descriptions is I'm a compassionate God. Hmm. Would, would people look at God's people and say that? You're a compassionate
0: people. I'm not sure. Hmm. And uh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well there is a lot to talk about when it comes uh, to ethics and I think it's only becoming more complicated mm-hmm. in in culture today issues that we never would have even imagined 20 yeah. years ago that now uh my 8-year-old grandsons are facing when they go to school yeah. uh even in Christian schools um and and so I think it's behooves us I think as families as couples as uh, as leaders Uh, to have thought through to say so what is important and and let's get to the root and let's 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 uh think this through before i need to Uh, you know it's i can't do quick you know catch up here um once all of a sudden an issue walks in the door and i haven't had time to think about it so well i knew our time um would race by robin we're going to this is going to be a two-part uh, series because I've got you here in the studio, and I want to pick yeah. your brain. And so, you know, we've kind of gotten in here in this first uh, podcast with just some of the, the the big issues, the broad issues. But uh, in the next episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk very specifically about leaders mm-hmm. and how to create a culture in your organization uh, with high ethics and uh, how to navigate uh, a, a world, uh, whether you're leading a, a business or a church or uh, some kind of organization in a way that is ethical in, as you lead a very diverse uh, workforce. And so, Rob, thanks for being with us. And I look forward to talking with you further in uh, episode two. Thanks